Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. On the 10th of August of 1890, Louis Tepper boarded a ship, a little boy from Odessa, Ukraine. He set sail to America. The Tepper family were Ukrainian Jews fleeing the pogroms. If you're unfamiliar with what a pogrom is, a pogroms, a pogrom is simply Russian for to wreak havoc. For 30 years, Jews underneath the Tsarist empire suffered anti-Semitism, death, deprivation, legal apartheid. Most chose to flee and settled in the new world. Now, nearly 130 years later, images once again are flooding our screens as we see 3.2 million Ukrainians flooding the borders of Poland, the Slovak Republic, Romania. But as we look at our passages today, the Lord wants us to learn how to pray for nations at war. The disciples came to Christ and said, Lord, teach us to pray. If you go to the UN Council on Refugees, you will see that there are currently 57 conflicts throughout the world of which Ukraine is only one of the 57. There are only 195 countries registered with the United Nations. That means that of those 57, if there's two sides to every fight, that means that 50% of the world is currently at war. There are five major conflicts in which more than 10,000 people have died. There are 18 in which there's between 1,000 and 9,999 have died in the last year. There are 20 minor conflicts in which between 100 to 90, 999 have died in the last year. And there's 14 skirmishes and clashes in which 10 to 99 people have died in the current or past year. We feel helpless, yet helpless we precisely are not. Our Lenten passages speak to us about the power of prayer. I have heard the cry of my people in Israel, how they are oppressed. Or you look at the superscript of our psalm, and it says, Les Mismores Le David, the psalm of David, when he was in the desert of the wilderness of Judah. Whether it was fleeing from King Saul, or whether it was fleeing from his son Absalom, he is a refugee in his own country. Or perhaps it's not that. Maybe it's just a, a bigger cry of, of why is there evil, pain, and suffering in this world? And you see that question being asked of Jesus, where the people come to him and they say, what about the Galileans who were offering their praises and prayers in the temple, and instead the Roman boot trampled them, and they offered their blood rather than their sacrifices of praise. Was it their fault? Why, they cry. We hear this cry of why 
There's three things that we see in these passages as we ask the Lord, how do we pray? We pray our tears, we pray our fears, and we pray our hopes. We pray our tears. In Tolstoy's epic tale of the pre-Russian revolution, and, and I know we're canceling certain things that are Russian, right? But let's not cancel Russian literature. We can learn from that. In high society, Princess Eliza says, I don't understand. I decidedly do not understand why men cannot live without war. Why? Why? That is the question the psalmist asked. That's the question that the people of Israel who've been enslaved for hundreds of years are asking. Why? But that brings us to the very story that Elie Wiesel wrote when he wrote God on Trial. The question why presupposes that there is someone to ask that question to. If not, we should just accept it. This is the survival of the fittest. It is what we would expect. It is nature, red in tooth in claw. It is the law of dog eat dog, the survival of the fittest. Pray your tears, those salty, hot, bitter tears. And if you don't know how to pray them, maybe you're like me. You picked up Psalm 10 this last week and you just prayed that. There are 14 different imprecatory psalms in the Old Testament. Those are psalms that are they're pre-reflexive. In other words, they're not nice, neat, tidy packages. They're just, Lord, this sucks. Pardon my French. I just said that in a Christian church. Pray those prayers. Pray those tears. Why, Lord? But secondly, we are to pray our fears. Pray your fears. What is your greatest anxiety that you have? You see, it's easy to, to, to think of, of, of the world and conceive of it when everything's running just the right way. But most of us have been woken up from that, that sleep and stupor. We've been woken up from Netflix. We can't run away from the sufferings of others. And maybe we could have ignored the other 56 conflicts. But now this one threatens us with nuclear war. Gregory of Nazianzen tells us that this is why we are to pray our fears. For God loves to be entreated. He loves to be compelled. You see, MacArthur, when he went to uh, West Point, to receive the Thayer Award, he gave a speech and he, he said this, he said, only the dead have seen the end of war. There's this fear of, of impermanence. There's this fear of, of insecurity. There's this fear of, of not amounting to anything. But what I love about the Psalms these pre-reflective prayers. The, the author Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, the psalm doesn't let us fall into the trap of praying our fears. Uh, and there's two opposite traps that we can fall into. One is we either become under, under aware of our emotions or we are overawed by our emotions. We shouldn't be stuffing our emotions down or bowing to them. We shouldn't be denying them or venting them. We should be praying them. 
And we don't mean by praying that they should be nicely manicured and managed little theologically correct collects that have been worked on for about 2,000 years. No, you just pre-reflectively pour them out in the presence of God and you process them there. Pray your fears. But lastly, we are to pray our hopes. And that's what our Lord tells us when you read that story, not about the Galileans and the problem of evil, but you, you move on, he tells a parable. He says, there's a fig tree, and the fig tree symbolized eternal Israel, the people of God from the beginning of time who God called to walk with him in the garden. And in our rebellion, we rejected him and chose to walk a different path. And ever since, humanity has been experiencing war where brother murders brother. And it's not just the cry of Israel in bondage or the cry of the psalmist of David. It's not the cry of the people of Israel asking Jesus. It's the cry of very Abel whose blood cries from the ground and asks for justice. We have a hope for justice. We pray just as the prophet Micah and the prophet Isaiah prayed that, Lord, would we humans beat our swords into plowshares? Would we beat our spears into pruning hooks? Those are our hopes. But, Lord, we are exactly where King Jehoshaphat was all those years ago when he was surrounded by armies. Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are set on you. In 998 AD, Prince Vladimir of the Rus Vikings stepped foot into the Dnipro River and he was baptized. As he came out of those waters, he said, I was a beast and became a human being as he accepted holy baptism. These are not just pretty words, but they're sincere confession that, that speaks not only of, of Prince Vladimir or even of just the Rus people, but of all people who have been baptized. Lord, transform me from a beast into a human being. Prior to this, he had killed his brother. He had organized human sacrifices and he had had hundreds of concubines. But baptism transformed him because a missionary from Greece went and preached the gospel to him. And here are the words that were, were, were used. Uh, these words are still used by us. And, and I'm going to use the words that we use over on the other side of the pond because it, it, the Church of England uses words that are more similar to the Russian words. That Guess what? Just a few decades ago, President Vladimir Putin's mother who was a devout Christian and his father was a devout atheist. She snuck him away from his father, baptized him in secret, and uttered these words. Pray these words of hope. Because just as you come in the church every day, there's, there's, there's a font with water where you can reaffirm your vows. These are the vows that the Russian priest asked his mother. In baptism, God calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. To follow Christ means dying to sin and rising to new life in him. Therefore, I ask, do you reject the devil 
and all rebellion against God. I reject them. Do you renounce the deceit and corruption of evil? I renounce them. Do you repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbor? I repent of them. Do you turn to Christ as Savior? I turn to Christ. Do you submit to Christ as Lord? I submit to Christ. Do you come to Christ, the way, the truth, and the life? Pray these hopes. These hopes over yourself. These hopes over the world. These hopes even over President Putin. The early church fathers said, whenever you found things, these pre-processed prayers where we say, Lord, I wish you'd just dash people's teeth in. Think about that, not just in the visceral moment of it, but think of that, about that, about being ruthless with sin in your own life. Be ruthless with that. Just as the people of the Rus were baptized in the Dnipro River, so have we in Christ been baptized once and for all, changed from beast into human beings. And yet, so every day, we must choose to be transformed from beasts into human beings and made in the likeness and image of Christ. St. Paul says, as we read in the epistle, don't think that just because you had a wet experience as a child, that that's your get-out-of-jail-free card, President Putin. Or Peter Tepper. Live the faith and the vows that were made on your behalf years and years ago. Live that out. Say no to all that is not of Christ and yes to all that is of him. Father, you have heard our cry. You have observed our misery. You have known our sufferings. And you have come down in the form of your son, Jesus Christ. And as he went into death and then rose to new life, so as we reflect on going into the waters of our baptism and coming back out. May we live that new life which your Son purchased for us and your Holy Spirit empowers us to live. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.